0: All right. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Andrew. I'm so glad that y'all are here this morning. Uh, I do want to give a little bit of a heads up to those who are watching online. We're having a little bit of a technical difficulty. So the things that Y'all in person here, see on the screens, our folks online aren't going to see. So another great reason for uh, those online to tune into our digital bulletin and sermon notes, follow along on there. Um, But y'all have the screens in here, so you can check that out. Um, Yeah, we are in the last uh, week of the series that we're calling New Year, New You. And, you know, I think some of us thought that when the calendar turned from 2020 to 2021, like... Everything was magically going to like become better, right? That we're going to have the best year of our life because 2020 is behind us. No, the reason we're going to have the best year of our lives and the way that we're going to find what we've been talking about full life in 2021 is if we choose to give ourselves fully to Christ to community, and to mission. And, you know, you heard it a little bit earlier. That's our mission statement. We've been kind of playing off in this series. Week number one, we talked about giving ourselves to Christ. And so thankful for the story of hearing about Addison, uh, who gave her life to Christ. Um, You know, that's what we're all about. We want people to find that full life that can only be found in Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so I'm excited for that. What a great way to start our year. And, on, you know, and that came as a result of Tiffany being obedient and following Christ in baptism. And so an amazing thing. We talked about giving yourself to Christ, dying daily. Last week, we talked about this idea of giving ourselves to community, that community is never found. It's only built. And today we're going to kind of wrap up this series talking about the mission of God, giving ourselves to the mission of God. And so I've called this sermon today, full life spent life. And the reason I'm calling it that is because you know to to live fully involves living for the things that God has made us for. It means spending our lives for the things that matter most. And we're always gonna feel empty when we live for less than that, because God is our creator, He's made us for a, a, a purpose. And when we live for less than that, we're always going to feel empty. But we're, we want to talk about this idea today of living for the mission of God. And I just want to give you some some full disclosure. I think I'm usually, I'm typically pretty transparent um, when I speak. But I want to give you a full disclosure. Uh, I was just not feeling it this week in, in terms of, you know, wanting to preach. I honestly didn't want to preach today. Um, I don't have the kind of job where if I'm like not feeling it. I can just kind of hide in my cubicle. You know what I'm saying? So like it's been a rough, it's been one of those weeks for me. And no, I'm not in mourning because my Ohio State Buckeyes lost, even though that was a bummer. All right, I will confess Um, that started off my week in an awful way. But it's just been one of those weeks. You know what I'm talking about? You know, we all have these, these, um, these highs and lows. Life is complicated, right? It's this mixture of high moments and low moments. And you know, we all have bad days and bad weeks, even bad years. Uh, that's, that's typical. And it's, you know, when we look around at our, our own lives, um, when we look at what's going on in the world, man, it's so easy to get sidetracked, isn't it? And to get distracted and to get discouraged when we look around at, at everything going on in, in, our, in our own lives and in the world, in our nation even right now. And it's easy to forget the purpose of our lives, like why are we even here? What is the point of all of this? And you know, for me, I don't know what what it's like for you when you, when you, uh, when you feel beat up or beat down. Um, for me, it seems like all of my sense kind of goes out the window. You know, like I, I, lose perspective. I lose my way a little bit. And you know, to be honest, this plays right into the enemy's right into the enemy's hands. Um, Satan, the enemy of God, the enemy of every child of God. Uh, one of his names in scripture is the accuser of the brothers. And so he loves to accuse us, kind of whisper in our own ear. He, he accuses us before God the Father. And, you know, sometimes we lose our way, we lose our perspective. Um, and this is, this, again, plays right in the hands of the enemy. But I want to I bring you to kind of the conclusion I came to this week because it's easy to go, well, I'm just gonna push through and I'm gonna just like stiffen my spine. I'm gonna just push through everything. Here was the conclusion that I came to this week to get to today and even to get up this morning. And it's, this is what I wanna encourage you with as well. Keep coming back to the mission of God keep coming back to the mission of God. When you feel beat up and beat down and discouraged and distracted, and it's easy to look at all these other things, we have to, as the people of God, keep coming back to the mission of God. You know, this week, as I was kind of just struggling in my own head and all these things, I kind of came to this place where it was like, all I know, all I know to do, God, is to not let my life become all about me, and to become self-absorbed. And I, I kind of sensed God saying, "Keep, hey, come back to the mission. Come back to the reason I created you. Come back to the thing that I've left you on this earth for and keep living for my mission as best you know how, because I'm with you and I'm not gonna, I haven't left you alone and I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna strengthen you and I'm gonna help you in this. Because you know why the, the, the reason why I struggle, you know the reason why you struggle? It's because I'm a sinner and you are a sinner and I am, I am deeply broken and I live in a deep, deeply sinful, broken world. And I need rescue. I need Jesus. I desperately need Jesus. And so do you. And here's the good news is that he has come. He, he came for me and he's come for you. And now, we can rest in him. If you put your faith in Jesus, you can rest in him and you can share him with others. That is at the heart of the mission of God, that even though life is complicated, that even though life is difficult, even though life is not perfect, man, we have a perfect God who loves us, who has given us a reason and a purpose for living. And so, what I want to do this morning is I want to look. I want to look at Philippians chapter two, verses twelve through sixteen. I feel like one of the most visited passages uh, in my time here uh, has been Philippians two. Uh, I think it's one of the most important passages or chapters in scriptures uh, in scripture. It's kind of right up there for me, like with Romans chapter eight. It's just an amazing passage of scripture. And in the first part of Philippians two, we we, we see Jesus who humbled himself, became obedient even to the point of of death. And we see Jesus lifted up for us. He's a name above all names. And then Philippians 2, 12 through 16, it kind of transitions into to us and how we are to live. And so Philippians chapter 2, 12 through 16, Paul says this. He says, Therefore, my, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And so I want you to think through these verses. You know, there's a lot of of stuff here. Some of these things point out, Paul points out some things that we are to do. Some of what Paul says is, is some things that God does. But at the heart of this, do you see what Paul is saying, how we are to live? Did you see it? Anybody catch it in there? He says back in verse number 15, he says that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Here's a phrase I want to kind of focus in on. He says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so at the heart of this, what Paul is saying is that how we are to live is we are to shine as lights in the world now I think back to when when jesus in, in jesus in john nine five when he was speaking he says said something pretty and monumental he says as long as i 'm in the world, as long as i 'm here, I am the light of the world and we see back in John one it says when Jesus came he was he, he was the light of the world and he came to us to give us life. And so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew 5, another place, Jesus says, not, not just I am the light of the world. He says, What? He says, You are the light of the world. Those who follow me, you are the light of the world. Sit, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so he, he, he tells us, as his followers, that we are to be light in the world. And so I just want to consider this for a few minutes, this idea of us shining as lights in the world. Because I don't know about you, but there's times where I don't feel super bright. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like, and I mean that mentally, and I mean that in the way that my life plays out, right? I'm not super bright. Um, But I want to consider this idea. What does it mean? How do we, what does it look like when we shine Lights in the world. And I just want to hit five kind of quick ideas as we look back at this passage. First, we shine because God has shined His light on us. So we shine because God has shined His light upon us. If you go back to verses 12 and 13, I think these are some really important verses or concepts to understand. If we're going to understand, really understand the gospel, he says in verse 12, the end of this verse, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will or to desire and to work for his good pleasure. So, he says, work out your salvation. Like, what does that mean? So the whole idea of salvation is God has saved us from our sin. He saved us from the penalty of our sin, which is separation from God in hell. He has saved us, and it's a gift to us that we don't work for. But yet he says, work out your salvation. So in other words, he, he works salvation for us, and then we work it. We work it, work it. We work it out in our life. It is to spill out in the way that we live our life. In verse 13, he says, God works in you. He creates these desires. He changes your hearts. He gives you the desire to serve him, to live for him. And then he gives you the strength and the ability and the power to actually live for him. So the gospel is he's done the work for us. But now that we've received this gift of his grace and his mercy, man, we live it out. We work it out in our lives. And so the idea is we don't produce light on our own. We don't shine because we're special or that we're smarter or better than anybody else. We shine solely because God has shined his light first on us. It's kind of like the moon and the sun. The moon only reflects the light of the sun. And in Psalm 118, verse 27, it says that the psalmist says, The Lord is God, and he has made his light to what? Shine upon us. He is, he is the one that is full of brilliance. He is, God is light, and he has shined his light on us. And so we shine because God has shined on us. Here's a second thought. We shine when we do all things without grumbling or disputing. If you go back to verse 14, and this is kind of a rough part of this passage, because going back centuries, the people of God kind of are known a little bit for grumbling and complaining. You know, you know what I'm saying? The people of God, even in the Exodus, they grumbled and complained and it says in verse 14, Paul says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And so let me ask you, how's your week been? <laughs> Have you done any grumbling or disputing or complaining or murmuring? And, the, and Paul says, he doesn't just say, hey, do what you do without grumbling or complaining. He says, do all things. And all of us say, ouch, right? Um, because here's the reality. You go back to, the, again, the people of God in the Exodus, when they grumbled and complained against God, they murmured under their breath as if God couldn't hear them or see their hearts. And, and, and they faced God judged them because their murmuring and grumbling was ultimately not just about their circumstances or about others. It was grumbling at God because of the circumstances that he allowed them to be in, that he didn't make life easier or better or more comfortable for them. And so they grumble and, and, and you look throughout the scriptures, we won't, we won't take a tour, but grumbling and complaining and disputing and this kind of spirit is always characteristic of the foolish, those who are self-serving and self-centered and who are, are far from God even. And yet we all wrestle with this in the flesh. is grumbling and disputing and complaining. And I'm telling you, like Christians even today, I don't want to bring politics into the matter, but this is a day in which it's very easy to be doing nothing but nonstop grumbling and complaining. Because again, the world that we live in is broken and sinful right now. But here's the reality is that we don't shine when when all we do is grumble and complain and murmur, when that is the spirit of our lives. I mean, we don't shine light. Actually, what we do is we shine a spotlight on things other than Jesus that don't lighten up or brighten the world with the gospel. I mean, they, they throw a blanket over the light. And so we shine when we do all things without grumbling or disputing. And I'm so grateful for the preceding verses that say that it's the Lord who is the one who gives us the desire to do that. And he's the one that gives us the power to live that out, not in our own strength. We don't shine again because we just have self-will and self-control. It's because it's the Spirit of God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure So we shine because his light has shined upon us. We shine when we do things without grumbling or disputing. Uh, Another thought here is that we shine because the world is dark. We shine because the world is dark. And there's a, 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 a phrase in verse 15 that I want you to look back on. Paul says that we're living in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Would anybody say amen to that? I think everyone would be like Amen, it is a twisted and crooked generation. Like, man, centuries ago, nail, like hit the nail on the head, twisted, crooked generation. It's a dark time in which we live. And so it's easy for us to shine. One flicker in the darkness shines brightly. We shine because the world is dark. Ephesians 5, Paul said in another place, he said, for at one time, you were darkness. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't even say here, you like were in darkness. You walked in darkness. No, he says, you were darkness. The thing that characterized your life is that you were blind. You were blinded to the gospel. You were in complete and utter darkness. You were clueless to the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. You were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And so walk as children of light, walk as children of light, because when you put your faith in Jesus, man, he he brings the light into your life. He changes your life. He illuminates everything. And now we shine. So he says, walk as children of light. We shine because the world is dark. And so we don't have to be super bright because it's so dark around us but we shine because the world is dark. Here's another another thought we see here is that we shine together. We shine together. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about last week about community, that we're better together. But I want you to see, like as Paul works through this in verse 15, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He called us children and then he called us lights. Both of those are plural. So if if you look at this, when he he says this um, in verse 15, among whom, he could literally say, among whom y'all shine as lights. You collectively, you are lights, you shine together. You are the children of God, lights in the world. You don't shine on your own, we shine together. And I think about, you know, um, I should have taken a picture for you, but on our, our back patio, we we have this, like, canopy that we put up, and we mainly we did it for for our, our puppy, Romans, so that, you know, when we have to take them out and it's raining, um, it's not going to be so difficult to take them out to go use the restroom. Um, we can have them under this dry canopy. Um, but we also set up these, like, string lights, okay, that kind of lights it up. And so I was just thinking about those lights um, and, like, if... and and typically with Christmas lights or any kind of string lights, you know, when you start losing light bulbs and the, you know, the illumination dampens. And I just thought like, what if we just had like one of those light bulbs out there that was functioning? It's like, it wouldn't illuminate very much, right? It's just like a little speck of light, but we have all 15 or 20 or whatever of these lights and it illuminates the whole patio. And that's, that's really like the reality of Christ followers in the world that we don't shine alone. We shine together and together we illuminate. We all shine as lights in the world, pointing the way to Jesus. And so we shine together. This is the beauty, beautiful thing about the, the body of Christ that we don't have to shine on our own. We don't have to stand alone. We can shine together. And we shine, here's a a fifth and final kind of thought, is that we shine as we hold fast to God's word. Paul says back in verse 15, among whom you shine as lights in the world. And this is such an important follow-up connected phrase. He says, holding fast to the word of life. And I was just, in my mind, I just get this image of just like holding tightly and firmly to the word of God. That, man, our, our hands and our hearts and our lives are so, like, taken with this book and with God's word to us that we hold it fast. And the way that we shine in the world is not with our own wisdom and our own ideas and our own thoughts and, and all those things. Because, again, we're not super bright on our own. We need the brightness, the illumination, the light of the word of God, which the Bible says is like a lamp for our feet. It's like a light to our path. We need his word, the way we shine, and we shine as we hold fast to God's word. Because without this thing that sets us apart, without these words that give us life, man, we, we would remain in darkness. And so we shine as we hold fast to his, his word. And so our role, the way that we're to live, is to shine as lights in the world when we talk about the mission of God. All right. So what, what is the mission of God? And, and this passage really points to it. It, it talks about how we are to live it out. But if we're just going to be very simple and plain, what is the mission of God? Well, Jesus said, he, he said it, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go and point others to me, help them follow me and grow me. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, when Jesus gives these final instructions to his disciples, he says, here is the reason I'm leaving you behind. And here's the reason I'm giving you my spirit is so that you would go and make disciples. Point everyone on this planet, of all tribes and tongues and nations, point them to me. That is the mission of God. It's to see people like Addison, come to, to saving faith in Jesus Christ, to have their eternity changed, to move from darkness to light, from being children of disobedience to becoming children of God. This is the mission of God, that we would go and make disciples. So what does it mean to live on mission? To live on mission. To live on mission is, is not necessarily about, like you have to be a pastor or a missionary or a church you know, worker, although you can do that, it's not necessarily about your vocation. To live on mission means letting God's mission shape and direct all that you do and how you do it. The mission is to go and make disciples. To live on mission is about letting God's mission, that mission of making disciples, shape and direct everything, all that you do, all that you say, and how you do and say all of those things, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what your job is, no matter where you live to live on mission just means I want God's mission to determine everything that I do and how I do it in my life. So let let me give you a couple illustrations, just real life illustrations. All right. Tomorrow is a day. It's a holiday we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Now, I don't have to tell you this, Martin Luther King Jr. had a mission, right? He had a purpose for his life, which flowed out of the mission of, of God. He wanted every single individual, every single person to be valued as one of, of God's creation. A person made in the image of God. And that every person made in the image of God would experience freedom and justice and equality. Right? That was his mission. And it, again, it flowed out of the mission of God. That every person is created in the image of God. And so he had a mission and he lived his life for that. None of us doubt that. He gave his life. His life was all about the mission. Well, there's another person that I want to mention his name, and you may not be familiar with this name like, like MLK. Jim Elliot had a mission. Have you ever heard the name Jim Elliot? If you're not familiar, I wish we could spend more time talking about him, and I think one of these days we will. Um, the story of Jim Elliot um, has so impacted my life over the last couple decades Jim Elliott, he was a missionary. He gave his life to the mission of God. And again, you don't have to be a missionary or pastor to give your life to the mission of God. But Jim Elliott, this is a picture of him. He's on the far right with a couple other gen- gentlemen. Um, him and four other men, so five men and their families, had a mission. Their mission was they wanted to reach this group of, of Indians. This, they were called the Harani Indians. Uh, in the, they were deep in the jungles of Ecuador, an unreached people group that had never heard the gospel. Um, they were also called the Aucca, A-U-C-A, the Aucca Indians, which translated means savage. I mean, these were vi- this was a violent tribe of Indians living in the jungles of Ecuador, and it was a lot of darkness. And what happened in the story of Jim Elliot and his four companions is they gave their life to reach these people. These, these people, this tribe with the gospel. And what happened in January, 1956, you know, the, him and these men, they would fly over and they, they spent months trying to make contact, finding, first finding these, these villagers and then making contact, they would fly over, drop baskets of, of food and gifts and, and they would speak out over loudspeaker, these phrases that were friendly. You know, they're trying to say, hey, we're friends, we're here um, to, as, as friends. And they finally made contact with them. And uh, in January 1956, you know, these men, um, they landed and they, they were hoping to reach this tribe. They made contact with them. In January 1956, all five of those men were speared to death and were killed because they gave their lives to try to reach this tribe that was in total darkness. They wanted to bring the light to them. And these five men were speared and killed. And the amazing thing isn't just that these men gave their lives for the mission and lost their lives for the sake of the mission. The amazing thing was that two years later, 1958, Elizabeth Elliot, you may have heard that name, Elizabeth Elliot, the wife of Jim Elliot, along with their only child, their three-year-old daughter, went back to that tribe and lived amongst that tribe of people for two years. Why would they do that? The very people that killed her husband, that killed these men. And why would she risk her life? Why would she risk the life of her daughter? It was to bring the light to them. And two years later in 1960, an amazing, miraculous thing happened. That tribe received Jesus Christ as their savior and transformed their whole way of life. Why? Because the light invaded the darkness. Because some people decided that the mission of God is gonna shape and influence and direct every single thing I do, all that I do, all that I say, and how I do and say all of it. And it changed this whole tribe there, there's this incredible quote, you know, Jim Elliott, he would journal, and, and in his journal, um, there was this quote, I believe it was like before they even went to Ecuador, October, uh, I think it was 1949, he wrote this phrase, one of the, the, the quotes you always hear from Jim Elliott, um, and we're gonna put it up on the screen here. We actually, I told you a couple weeks ago about the study room that we created in uh, our house, and I just got this print yesterday. I ordered it like in December, got it yesterday, and put it up. This quote from Jim Elliott. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I love this quote because what he's saying is that I can't hang on to my life. I can't hold on to it. And so I'm going to spend my life for something that will outlast it. I'm going to give my life to gain something that I could never lose. And that, that thing that you could never lose is the eternal fruit of people who have, whose eternities have changed because they've given their life to Jesus. The eternal reward that Jim Elliot, that Elizabeth Elliot, that all five of these men are gonna receive because they gave their lives to something so much bigger than their lives. They lived full lives. They were short lives. I believe Jim Elliot died at 29, but he lived a full life because he spent his life on what matters the most. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And so like, the only way I know how to apply this to our lives is to begin with the end in mind. Maybe you've heard that, That phrase before, that's like an old Stephen Covey quote, begin with the end in mind. Like imagine the end, where you want to get to, the destination, and how do I get from where I, if this is where I want to get to, how do I go from where I am to where I want to be? And so here's, here's the way we apply this. We ask the question, when my life comes to an end, or like Paul said in verse 16, when the day of Christ comes, When the end of my life comes, what will will we be known for? What will I have spent my life on? What have I lived for? Paul, back in verse 16, I want you to see this again. He says, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ when Christ returns, when my life is over, when I have to give an account for my life, because although we, although we shine together, every single one of us, each of us will have to give our own account to the Lord for how we ran the race, for how we lived our life, how we labored on these few short years on earth. And Paul says, so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. In other words, I didn't waste my life on stuff that doesn't matter. Paul says, I want to. Uh, the reason that I want to shine as a light, the reason I want to hold fast to the word of life is so that when it comes to the end, man, I can be proud because I've spent my life on what matters. Uh, I, I want to share a, a quote with you here, another quote that I love from a guy named C.T. Studd, who was a British missionary. How awesome would it be to have the last name Studd? All right. My name is C.T. Studd. Here was his quote He says, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so when I go through difficult times, when I feel beat up and beat down, I go, You know what? I've only got a short amount of time to walk this planet. Am I gonna spend these short few days discouraged and frustrated and self-absorbed, or am I gonna get outside of myself and spend my life on the only things that will last? You know, here at Friendship, we talk about living on mission in terms of serving others and sharing Christ. Serving others, and sharing Christ, whether it's in here, out there, everywhere you go, in all of your life, serving others and sharing Christ, will you give yourself to that mission? Here's the bottom line. Our lives cannot be full if we're not living for the mission of God. I can't be full if we're not living for the mission of God. They could be fun, they might, we might experience some good things and have some taste of some joyous things, but man, our lives cannot be full the way that God has intended them to be if we're not living for the mission of God. God created us for his mission, to make his glory known, to shine his light. And my hope for you in 2021, Man, it's not that you're not gonna experience any hardship or difficulty, or that life will be easy and super comfortable for you. That's not my hope for you. My hope is that you will experience full life, that I will experience full life, because we have lived for what we were made for. We will live for what we were made for, that we will shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. Can I pray for us this morning? Would you bow your heads with me? We're gonna sing a song in just a minute. Yes, I will is the song. And I just, man, I hope that we can just kind of end this, this time as we lift our voices, as we lift our hearts, as we open ourselves up to the Lord and whatever he wants to say to us today. Could we just make this like more than just some words we sing? Can we make this the declaration of our hearts to God today. Yes, I will, Lord, I will lift you high. I will bless your name. I will glorify you in the highs and in the lows and all of it, through all of it. That I'm not gonna let the circumstances of my life and the darkness around me dictate how I live. I'm not gonna let it determine how I spend my few short days and years on this earth. I'm going to live for what matters most. And Lord, I just pray that this would be the cry of our hearts. Yes, we will, we will will worship you. We will bless your name. We will lift you high. We will glorify you in all of it we will live for the mission you've created us for and nothing less. God, I pray that we would be able to experience fullness, the fullness of life that you came to give us, that you created us for, because we step into that full life that you've called us to in Christ, in community alongside one another and on mission, that we would shine bright as lights in the world, holding fast to your word of life. Lord, thank you for this group of people. I pray that you'd bless us, that you would use us, that you'd help us to serve others and share Christ through the power of your spirit at work in our lives. Lord, we love you, thank you for this time. We could worship you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue to worship?